0: States. It's a worldwide phenomenon. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to That UFO Podcast. It's a special bonus, That UFO Update, number six, I believe. Remember back when these were going to be weekly, then I decided, nah, there's not always enough for weekly pods. But I felt I owed people uh, a little bonus one this week because the Malcolm Robinson one came out a couple of days late. So this one, as usual, will go up on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash that UFO podcast first a little bit early access for the patrons over there supporting the pod if you can be great if you could if not it goes out free anyway nothing's hidden behind the paywall for long um but yeah this one should be out within a day or two as well so i've got dan joining me as normal dan how you doing
1: i'm great it's a it's a good
0: monday i, I said how you do there and it kind of <laughs> get blocked so i've got a little bit of a cold slash hay fever slash not covid i don't think so you know but yeah we're recording anyway just to get this one out there because there's a few things it. oh yeah you can't catch it virtually yeah he's got his uh, antivirus software going so he can't catch COVID <laughs> through his computer a little geek joke for people um first off what it um give out our well wishes to Calvin Parker. I don't know if you about our last week, but um, Calvin Parker obviously was one of the former guests on the podcast, um, is an elder legend with a fascinating story, obviously of, of an abduction that took place in Pascagoula many, many decades ago. However, he has had cancer uh, recently and has had to have uh, an operation to, to try and get himself well again. So all, all our best wishes go out to to Calvin as well. It's, yeah, it's a really cool story, Calvin's, isn't it, Dan? Like, it's pretty famous now as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If, if people aren't familiar, they should, um, jump, jump over to Google and just chuck, chuck his name in, um, and have a read. It's a, it's a really strange case as well.
0: Or they could go back and listen to that episode I recorded with them. Either or, you know, that Google too, yeah. or. Yeah. <laughs> <It's pretty laughs> but yeah, there's, there's a lot of cool material out there as well. Um, but uh, there's a real honesty to his story. So all the best to Calvin and hopefully he's, he's well again soon. And, you know, he's not a big social media presence, but uh, obviously Phil Mantle and whatnot. Uh, and there's some uh, movies and TV shows in the works to to get his story out to a new audience as well. So all the best, Calvin, and your, your recovery just a few updates for people as well. Some of these I've talked about online, uh, not cryptically, not deliberately, just uh, things weren't confirmed at the time either, but Steve Bassett will be the guest on the podcast this week. So if you haven't already, I've had quite a few, send over your questions for Steve at ufo, U-A-P-A-M at gmail.com uh, or you can DM them. But ideally, if you could please email them, it's much easier to keep track of the, the volume of questions that come in these days as well. Um, Paul Sinclair, British ufologist, should be coming on really soon as well. We're just looking to confirm a date for that one. Ryan Sprague will make his second appearance on the podcast very soon uh, in conjunction with uh, something I'm going to discuss in just a minute. And I've got Brandon Fugo lined up in the coming weeks for his first uh, of many, I'm sure, appearances on the podcast. This has been in the works for quite a while. But of course, it ties in nicely with the new series of the Secret of Skinwalker Ranch, I'll get it right for our US listeners, or if you're in the UK, The Curse of Skinwalker Ranch, as myself and Dan found out recording last year. It, it's oh, it's, so it's, much such a U, it's a UK thing, isn't it? It's like, oh, yeah. it's The Curse of Skinwalker, it's a secret.
1: I'm intrigued by a secret, though, whereas I'm put off by a curse, you know?
0: No, that's why we watch the American ones legally, of course. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Brandon will be coming on to discuss the new series, what can look forward to with that, uh, and answer some more questions as well. So, really looking forward to speaking to Brandon. However, there should be a lot more podcasts dropping over the next kind of eight to twelve weeks, anyway, for what I'm going to discuss now. So, contacting the, in the desert contact in the desert even is one of the biggest ufo expo conferences in the world and this year's contact in the desert is going ahead in 87 days time from now which is the 25th of june to the 28th of june 2021 you can check out all the details at contactinthedesert.com i did put a poster up of the event on my twitter you can follow them on twitter as well at I will find out. Dan, can you do some Jamieing for me and find out the Contact in the Desert official Twitter feed for me? I just don't want to log off my Twitter because I've got something uh, something pulled up already. But Dan will grab that. There are a whole host of really cool guests, some of which have appeared on the podcast already. A lot of them, of course, hasn't. I can't interview everyone for the podcast, but what I do have is um, free reign over um, who I can get on the pod. So there's going to be some long form interviews. I did put out to all of you uh, asking who you would like to see, and. A lot of big names obviously came back. So I'll get as many as I can on for proper interviews for the podcast, not only to talk about their appearance at Contact in the Desert, but more. Dan I think has the, the Twitter handle now.
1: I do indeed. It is a CITD conference.
0: That's the one. There you go. So at CITD Conference, and you can follow Contact in the Desert on the Twitter, but you can find it on Facebook and all all the usual places as well. Or you can just go to the website, if you're old school like that, at contactinthedesert.com for all information. But yeah, so a lot of those guests will be appearing. Ryan Sprague, who is one of the youngest uh, guests of Contact in the Desert this year, uh, very deserving as well, will be there and we'll be speaking to him all about it. But what you'll get is, like I say, those long form interviews where I get to speak to the guests on different topics, you know, ancient archaeological sites, uh, remote viewing, UFOs, abductions, ET experiences, all of the above. But what I'm going to do is also record a series of 10 to 15 minute preview interviews where guests who I can't get on long form or for whatever reason, and I'll release those leading up to the event as well over the coming months. And that'll allow you to kind of pick and choose any guests that you want to have a little bit of a listen to find out what they're going to be talking about at contact in the desert and just hear little snippets and previews as well. And depending on feedback, potentially get some of those on for long form interviews too. So Dan, Dan, I ran that one past thought that sounded like an all right idea. So if you don't like it, blame Dan. (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. But, But yeah, there's, there's some good ones on there. Dan, anyone particular you're kind of looking forward to hearing from?
1: Well, I'm, I'm, intrigued to, to hear you follow up with a lot of people that you've interviewed already because a lot's happened since you spoke to them and i think mm. they're going to have some things to share um <clears throat> there are some ancient civilization uh lectures that are going to be happening that i'm really intrigued by um so yeah i i, I think you'll get some great interviews out of those guys
0: yeah, looking forward to that. So you'll see me doing lots of talking about contacting a desert and getting those ones out for you all as well. And you can obviously hear some names that you've heard from before, maybe some names as well that you're not too familiar with. There are still guests to be added. I was speaking to the organisers last week as well. So keep an eye out on that one, folks, should be a lot of fun. And selfishly, it's really going to help me that given our, um not mine and Dan's, but mine and my wife's baby is due in about five weeks, I might need like a week or two just to kind of help out there. So it might be good to have a couple of interviews in the can for those weeks where I'm indisposed, folks, all right? So um, hang hang, hang with me We're in a bit early May. It might be a bumpy couple of weeks, but that's my problem, not yours. A little bit of an update then, obviously, but on that UFO update, Dan, a lot's happened in the last couple of weeks around the UAP task force report. We have heard everything from it's coming out to it's not coming out to it's coming out with some provisos. It was always, oh, it was never going to be clear-cut, was it, This this report? However, Dan has an exclusive. No, he doesn't. But uh, Dan, (laughs) uh, what are your thoughts on what? I I I wish. What do you think we're going to get on this report?
1: I I think we're going to get something that a lot of us in the community have kind of known for a while. So to us, it's going to be a little underwhelming. But the the point of having this isn't ours. This isn't our adversaries. This is something way beyond anything made by man like that that's crazy enough to almost upend the whole world in and of itself and we can already see this conversation moving from entertainment into politics and it's just going to galvanize that even more when those in positions of power have a proper report to reference you know instead of just if they're intrigued turn into something like google and coming across uh, Wilcock, you know
0: Yeah. yeah. We've had some interviews, haven't we, the last couple of weeks. And I'm just going to, uh, obviously, Lou Elizondo, former guest on the show, someone we're lucky to have somewhat of a contact with as well. Um, He's been really great, hasn't he, the last few months on social media at speaking to people and responding back to people. And like he says, and this, this is true, he does read, I think, everyone's messages. Because you can see he tries to like stuff and he's not a huge social media guy, but he really is making the effort. And I think UFO Twitter particularly is appreciating that presence. Um, Lou done a series of interviews on Fox, Newsmax and a few different outlets. Something that um, he speaks great. And again, it's just great to hear that conversation being had in a serious way, especially stateside. I was frustrated about the the video packages and the pictures accompanying Lou. Uh, As we know, some of those videos ripped off of Twitter, which is essentially what they were, um, show, I don't want to say like fakes, but it was basically stuff that people created on apps deliberately and posted to their uh, Twitter feeds.
1: One was a UFO camera app. Uh, You can find it. I put together a reference video with all the different effects from that on my YouTube. So if you're curious to, you know, add add those bits to your filter uh feel free to go have a look at that but yeah one, one was made with that app and the other one was a missile contrail um that just because of the angle that you're looking at it from it kind of looks like a, a saucer emerging from the clouds but it's nothing of the sort i i get why they were used they're probably just in a database that someone's typed in ufo and just pulled the video from but i i agree with lou's statement that that you posted that it's really frustrating to see those things when we have the Navy videos, which are hundred percent legit to use instead. And it was great to see that when Christopher Mellon was on, they didn't use those prosaic and hoax videos anymore. It was just strictly the Navy videos, which I thought was Was
0: great. that when Chris Mellon was on Fox? Yeah. Oh, I, it's funny. I emailed the senior political editor, um, the day after lou was on and asked about the usage of the the footage and uh, he never got back to me but that's interesting that the next time they had someone on that they didn't use any of that dodgy stuff yeah, so it, it i'm taking to, full full credit for that one
1: well it speaks to the power of having the conversation right it could be you it could be you know lou might have spoken to them or they might have seen lou's statement or it, it doesn't really matter the point is by having a productive conversation instead of just getting angry about it yeah it changed it got better
0: Absolutely. And like I say, wh- whatever reason, they, they kind of fixed that for the next one, whether it was potluck, we'll see next time. But it was good to see when Chris Mellon went on that they did use the official footage. Um, Lou's statement for those that didn't see it, I-, I asked him how he felt about the those videos. And let's be honest, this is probably someone who's an intern at Fox News who's told, go and get me some UFO stuff we need it for a video package, Lou doesn't see it, the host doesn't see it beforehand and I doubt even the editor or the guy running it sees it, they just trust it whatever's there and they throw it on there not that it makes that right but that's probably what happens folks so i asked lou how he felt about those video packages including some known fakes or kind of misleading videos and he said although i am encouraged by the media's interest and pursuit of this enigmatic topic i remain frustrated by the silly and sometimes fake photos and videos that often accompany the broadcast when legitimate footage is available and far more compelling that's it so yeah so it was a thank you to lou for for getting in touch and giving us that comment as well because we, we do appreciate that obviously john ratcliffe uh former dni i believe is the correct initials yet yeah, right. uh he also appeared as well which is a relatively new name to those of us in the ufo community watching this stuff online uh, he hadn't appeared before you've got uh, obviously rubio uh is it warren or warner Warren? Uh, Warner. Warner, Warner, sorry. Because I was talking about Larry Warren yesterday. Totally different guy. (laughs) Uh, And uh, we're used to Lou and we're used to Chris Mellon obviously being on these video packages. So we've got a new name to add to it. And it was was a pretty cool interview. What were your thoughts on John Ratcliffe's comments that he made?
1: Uh, it, It blew my mind, to be honest, because he was recently in the position, you know, we're not talking a decade ago or anything like that. We're talking about a guy who I think he took office in May 2020 and he was there for a few months, which means he was briefed when all this was going on. So if you're looking to anyone as kind of a an authority on the mood inside of the Pentagon, I think I think he'd be a fair barometer for it.
0: Yeah, it's a really good point. And again, it's refreshing just to see that conversation being had, like you said, and I think that the main point, the best point you've made there, of which you make many good points, is the fact this guy is is new and fresh in that office, seeing the, the atmosphere, hearing the conversations as they happen now. It's not as great as it is someone who was there 20, 30, 40 years ago even 15 or 10 years ago, they've been there now, they know what these conversations are like, what's being had, and he's come out and still made a statement. It's definitely changing the tone and we can still hope that the task force report if, I'm confident it still comes out, it comes out with at least some sort of assessment that requires further scientific study. But, not long to go you.
1: There, there needs to be something that's just underlined to pull the intrigue in from the to for, to pull people in who can study this stuff what well, what we don't want is for you know like the end of blue book where they kind of said nothing see here and then it was put on a shelf and then not looked at again we've got the science and the equipment to to properly study this now um and people like avi loeb again so you know let's go
0: that's it and hopefully more and more names come into the fray as well and we see more podcasts joe rogan getting some of these guys on um other high profile podcasts as well even with um oh that, there's another name that i forgot to mention james fox should be on the podcast hopefully next month um I've, i'm in contact with james now um so it will be good to get him on as well uh james is pretty good at teasing stuff as well isn't he that he may or may not know and stuff may or not may not be coming out which is always kind of good to hear about.
1: I'm, I'm really intrigued to ask james about a particular thing he has a neighbor that he's he's mentioned called walter Murch, who is kind of one of the the biggest heavy hitters in hollywood in terms of editing um he is responsible for helping to make final cut pro for example but he he wrote a book about editing um and how it relates to how we dream And there's a really interesting connection there with consciousness and dreaming and UFOs that I kind of want to know if they've had any conversations about it.
0: Nice. Well, you can ask them because you can come on that one as well, Dan. So, yeah, um, (laughs) James Fox should be coming on. And I'm just getting a date with Tim McMillan as well. So loads happening, loads of guests, loads of names. I will try and get uh, as much content out there for you as I can. Um, but obviously keeping the, the quality levels as, ha- as high as possible too but yeah so there should be loads coming up over the coming months and well into the summer as well and the conversation as soon as that task force report comes out and is published we'll be ramping up then as well so look out for all of that to come folks we thought we would add a little bit of uh, an extra part into the update as well a few weeks ago on twitter i asked you um What for you is the most overlooked, under-researched or least reported on aspect of UFOs or UAP? And you didn't let me down and you came in with loads of really interesting comments and ideas. So I thought myself and Dan would have a read through these. Apologies if we miss any off or, or not, but the idea is we're just going to read through them Give people some food for thought. If you want to go back and find the tweet, it was on the fourteenth of March at uh, eleven minutes past ten on the UFO UAP AM that UFO podcast feed. But we'll talk through these and, and pick up enough you to go on that. You got time for that, Dan? Absolutely. Really awkward if Dan said no, given me the <laughs> exist to do that. Yeah. Um, so first up, we had UK UAP. Um, he thought or they thought that overlooked was the ancient esoteric links to the phenomenon under-researched we talk about a unified theory in physics but what about one bridging the converge of ufology parapsychology and the paranormal some big words there and least reported are the UAP or UAP effects on altered states of consciousness Ooh, I like this one I thought you would Dan yeah that's <laughs> yeah go on Dan thoughts on that one
1: uh, yeah I absolutely agree um, the, the nice thing about the conversation about UFOs is that eventually we're going to get to the point where we actually have to start considering altered states of consciousness. And it is something we're researching now, but it's down a slightly different path um, in terms of legalization of psychedelic substances in different parts of the world. There's actual research going into this. Um, I don't know if you remember a a paper I sent you a few days back that was quite lengthy and just had a lot of gifs of bouncing balls. Um, And it was all about scientists coming up with a way that people could explain their experience of time when they were under the influence of these substances. And it's kind of starting to get to the point where we might be able to have a compound that can change our perception of time. And it brings me back to what Lou said about different life forms experiencing different parts of the the burning end of a a cigar. Um, So I'm excited. I think all this stuff is going to just crash together and Will me kind of go, Oh, of course, it's all part of the same piece.
0: And that's never something, especially those those kind of psychedelics or gateway drugs, whatever you want to call them, that I've I've touched on before in a podcast with various people in different interviews and speaking on the roundtables, like yourself and Gaucho and Dave, but never had like a guest on to exclusively discuss one of the guests at contact in the desert is Dr. Andrew Gallimore, who I wasn't familiar with, but I'm told he is really good to speak to on that topic as well. So that is one that you you may hear about on the podcast soon, hopefully as well. So yeah, really good shout. Uh, Dave Smedhurst, um, we like Dave and sends in a lot of really good questions as well. He mentions underground or deep sea bases and possible mm-hmm. crypto terrestrial origins. So the, the, the under the water thing, that this is one that really came to prominence for, for me when you watch Unidentified and a whole series, uh, especially series one, when kind of Sean and Lou got together uh, for the first time in a long time uh, and they were going out at sea, weren't they? And they were meeting fishermen and they were always by the water or by a pier or by a harbour. Right. And like, they were Guadalupe. almost constantly yeah, almost pointing constantly at the water, going, Look, look down here. We should look down here, shouldn't we? Um so I always found that really intriguing ever since then. And it's something that a lot more people start to go to now, don't they? They do.
1: Um I I'd point people to Preston Dennett. He's done some great work on underwater bases, especially the one near Catalina, which has been said to have uh, when, when I say they, I wish I remembered the names, but scientists, people that went and studied this, they, they did kind of sonar scans and occasionally when they've done it, there has been a, a big mass under the water that hasn't been there the next time they've gone back. So it's really intriguing in terms of maybe a moving base or, you know, something that is maybe here, but not quite here. Um, yeah, I don't want to speculate too much because I can get crazy, but it's intriguing.
0: Could that be a pod of whales?
1: Uh, well it could be but these kind of things have a like a signature so a pod of whales you'd be able to differentiate it from something that looked like i don't know an underwater building for
0: example underwater seagulls (laughs) on mass no we've been there before haven't we that's one we've done to death now but yeah really good shout from dave uh matt hurley that if ETs can manipulate abductees' minds, what might they be doing at a macro level to world leaders? Oh, that's conspiracy territory, isn't it? Like, in a good I way mean, though, c- kinda.
1: When when you go back in history and you start reading about conflicts, there's there's a consistent theme that everyone is serving their god. So whether we're looking at the Spanish and the Mayans or, you know, any other conflict in the world, it's all at the behest of gods. And we know there's kind of a bit of crossover and and maybe a connection between the old idea of Greek gods and what we call gods and what we call UFOs. So it could be all to do with that.
0: Really good shout. And again, we're hearing as part of this task force report, some of the pushback potentially could be from those within government who are very religious and they're looking at this from a strictly angelic slash demonic aspect and i think that was something when i spoke to ryan Bledsoe, so he used the phraseology that i i liked of let's let's put some of the language we've used in a box and throw it out the window and he was just trying to make the point not that we should forget about it but let's just look at the different labels we're putting on things and just because we call it something different doesn't mean that they couldn't be linked and yeah you know absolutely Absolutely. It's a, it's a really different way of looking at it. And if it gets these conversations going, then, you know, let, hopefully it keeps it kind of moving forward as well.
1: Just, just but that, on the basic level, going between please, the yeah. UK and America, what we call the pavement and the sidewalk is different. And these terms are exactly the same. I really liked Ryan's point in your, in your interview with him because he, he's right. Uh, Saying an angel to someone is a loaded term. They'll have ideas of what that looks like
0: potato potato That's, <laughs> as the saying goes um mike tipping um china some reports get out but perhaps it's fair to assume those are just the tip of the iceberg so we always talk about the superpowers don't we and usa russia china and russia and china just to be fair to them seem to be far better at keeping all manner of secrets and you know, clandestine operations and thoughts and projects under wraps more so than maybe those in the Western world or other US in particular.
1: I think that's partly because of the the kind of media bubbles that we're all in these days as well. You know, maybe maybe if we lived in China, we'd see a lot more of it, um, but we certainly don't see a lot of it from where we are, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I've watched like it on YouTube like reports from various different countries, particularly South America, where you see because it's not in English, they don't necessarily have the same reach. And unfortunately, I, I wish I spoke Spanish or another language, you know, but you see these reports come out from Brazil or Argentina or Mexico and they're on Serious or serious-looking news outlets talking about different sightings and whatnot, and you just—it doesn't have the same reach, does it? Because it's not on an English-speaking network, which is which is a shame. But yeah, so that 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 can happen the world over, like you say. Um, JD Ocean probably organic experience or stories. The thinks the tic tac is overreported. Well the experiencer stories are underreported and he uh, names Stuart Davis is doing some groundbreaking work in this realm however on aliens and artists that's a good one Uh, Barry 2.0 Chupa Chupas more widespread than realised also linked to that we underappreciate the phenomenon's link to large bodies of water which we touched on cheers Barry Graham uh, he mentions that where the tic-tac was coming from before the Nimitz encounter started, Kevin Day stated the traces were dropping in from and he gives some different uh, heights and altitudes um, which was the limit of the coverage potentially, did any other agency track them beforehand or after have other UAPs been picked up at higher altitudes, I believe and I mentioned to Graham on that thread that uh, when we spoke or when I spoke to PJ, Gary, Vuhisa and Kevin Day on the round table they mentioned and I think Gary brought up that the, the tic-tacs were picked up by another agency on the, the coast. They wouldn't allude as to who, but I imagine some some agency that can track things coming in from a far higher altitude, if not space, and they had been tracking them for some time as well. Was that right, Dan?
1: Yeah, that's that's right. Um, we, we've had reports of a land-based radar picking them up, um, and also allusions to uh, baiting the tic-tacs. Yeah. And, and the various craft there. So t- someone knew what was going on and they were ready to watch. It,
0: it certainly seems, and I think it's fair, and this is just assuming, okay, but more than one set of eyes were on these tic-tacs at the time. Yeah. The incident people forget wasn't one day, it was between seven and ten days this went on for. So if other agencies or other groups were watching these, it could have been more than one, could have been more than two, then that could be a really good reason why people turned up on these... Aircraft carriers are as quickly as they did after and, and these incidents. We, we kind of have
1: a repeat as well, right? The the deck logs went missing uh, for yeah. those ships for those particular dates. Um, Lou and Chris have said how concerning that is because it's just not not the done thing. And now we have another event with the USS kid and three other ships where the deck logs for I, I'm fairly sure it's fifteen days, but multiple days, I'll say, um, are just missing. Someone's got them. Someone took them. And they, they're crazy events as well. You know, if those are the deck logs that are missing at anything like what we've managed to, I say we, what Dave Beatty, um, Mark, and I, f- I forget the other person who pub- published the, the work, but the guys that published that article, if it's anything like what they got, then it's incredible and we need that out.
0: Very much. Next one was Bob Fideman. Bob said he he listed a few different points. So whether or not they are manned vehicles, and he uses the term manned loosely, he says, whether or not they are invisible to some of us, yet visible to others. I put a lot of stock into that one, just giving my own experiences and, and hearing other people's. Whether or not the vehicle lights are for our benefit or theirs, it's a really interesting one, and whether or not they are from a point of the future. For me, I always like the conversation around uh, Do we all see the same thing? And what oh, what interview was it? With was George Knapp interview recently that I done. Um, I like that George Knapp brought up on that interview that the Batman balloon, and I'm doing the inverted air quotes for that one. The Batman balloon photograph. There are multiple photographs from that same event as pilots circled the object, and George claims that those other photographs show different shapes. And again, we, we always caught it the Batman balloon, and I'm guilty of that as well. There is no Batman photo on it. This was just someone comparing a very, very similar shape. But there's someone like George saying there are multiple photographs from that event, and it either changes or shows different shapes as they go around it as well.
1: It's very intriguing, isn't it? The the ability to be able to show people different things. And I posted a few uh, videos to, to Twitter when... You put this interview you're up dead, yeah, because there were some shapes that people had made in on a 3D printer where, depending on how you were looking at them, they were either a group of circles or a group of squares or a group of just a weird looking shape. So we can do that already in a way. Um, I don't know that we can do it in an aircraft, but the concept is there, you know.
0: That's it. So it's being open to possibilities. Uh, Bob also mentions that NASA stopped funding SETI because they already have evidence of ETs. Let's not bring up Seth Seth Shostak after the, the quotes from yesterday. Um, the next one was... I, I think of
1: SETI like someone sat by the phone waiting for someone to ring when the person they want to ring is sat next to them in the chair.
0: Yes, yeah. Uh, Jo brings up the connection to subsequent paranormal experiences thereafter and that's something i've talked about in various shows and and thomas winterton talked about those in the hitchhiker phenomenon george knapp um i thought was very telling when i spoke to him and asked him about it off the back of one of the listener questions and he didn't really want to go into it but that experience sounds like it definitely had a bit of a profound effect on him um It's it's a
1: scary part of the the whole phenomena really some, some of us, I've had some weird things happen around me this week, um, and I've been sending voice messages to Sean Cahill as they've happened, and he's kind of helped me through them. But my reaction to them compared to my mom's reaction to them, who witnessed something moving with me, she freaked out and just left the house. Whereas I sat down and kind of thought, I need to work my way through this and figure out what actually happened if it was what we think it was. And they're two very different reactions. You know, that's one person that's ready for the conversation and one person that just
0: is not ever going to be ready for it, you know? Yeah. I mean, people are going to want me to probe you on that one, Dan.
1: Well, I mean, ba- basically, I've, I've been experiencing sounds and objects moving. And, and when I say sounds, I mean kind of like a, a low hum kind of buzzing, but in a space where there was nothing. One, one point my dog was barking at the curtain and it was at the base of the curtain and I could only hear it when I kind of could be down. Um, and then the one that I had a witness to was just, there was a knife on the side and the knife, there was nothing around. We weren't near it. The knife just moved, just outright moved across the, the surface of the, the kitchen counter. Um, that was a little bit crazy, but that was the recent one that I said there was a witness and got very different reactions.
0: I, yeah, me and Dan never spoke about that beforehand, so that's me hearing that one for the for the first time as well, folks. But I keep doing yeah. some
1: good stuff for, for the podcast, see?
0: Yeah, thanks. Cheers. Uh, why do you think that happened?
1: I don't know, but th- this kind of stuff is, is getting more prevalent the more... The more I notice it, the more I notice it, and the more it seems to happen. I don't know if it's happening around me all the time, and I just wasn't aware of it before, but I I feel like there's a little bit of a hitchhiker thing going on.
0: Is that from experiences where you've seen craft outside or lights from that point of view, do you feel? Yeah, exactly.
1: I, I think something shifted and I, I don't really understand what's happening, but it's happening nonetheless. And it all comes after, you know, the year where I've been indulging in C five and meditation and trying to kind of step into that luminal space, we'll say.
0: Interesting. That's something we'll definitely follow up on then in the future. Sure. Look out for Dan being on the podcast properly.
1: Might properly is as a guest Next time I hear the noise that I just keep my phone with me all the time now so I can record it. And at the very least, then I'll have something to show instead of just a story.
0: Awesome. That's really good. Thanks for sharing. Uh, Clayton M. Davis mentions abduction experiencers who report seeing human military onboard crafts. That's that's one for another time, definitely. But that's an interesting one. Uh, Sarah Collins, commonalities amongst experiencers, claims of genetic manipulation, physical side effects, telepathic abilities... We had Dan Warren, uh, anything water-related, use or collection of water, travel through water um, that originate from the ocean's comment from a few months ago. So, yeah, that's something we touched on earlier. Complete reports, uh, the, odd, the oddball Aussie says, of just hot topics still reporting. Adam Reed, just the sheer amount of reports that have gone on for decades, as far back as I can remember as a child, there have always been tales and stories of UFOs. It's, it's just astonishing how the subject has always been swept under the rug. Well, hopefully not for too much longer, but at least we're going to get something in the form of the task force report coming out to, to move it forward. I can't see the task force report. I think we've accepted now. I didn't. I never thought that's anyway from the start. But it was never going to be okay. Here's what we know. But it was going to be a way to move the conversation forward in a in a positive way. Did Did Doctor- you see the
1: the Canadian report that came out recently? Um, Jordan from Nighttime Podcast um, posted the 2020 uh, UAP report from Canada, um, and there was a little tidbit in there that I was curious about. We're basically prior years have on average 3 to 5% of all sightings can't be in, can't be explained so they're the you know the blue book anomalies mm. 2020 had 13% so over 1 in 10 cases were unexplainable so i i feel like the activity is on an uptick and it's not necessarily completely down to the to the processes of government
0: do you know what? I um, I was speaking to Malcolm Robinson about this yesterday. And if you haven't checked out the podcast, it's myself speaking with my first Scottish guest, Malcolm Robinson, a bit more of an old school ufologist, but some really interesting conversation in there. And he was talking about, you know, that, that it's the 1% or the 3% or the 5% of cases that remain unexplained that are, are really of interest. And my point back to that was that not even just that, people have to remember that I, I think only 1% of any sightings are reported anyway. So if we are saying that 95% are there in Canada, what, well, 87% of cases um, were explained and 13% weren't, that's that 100% is made up of probably less than 1% of all sightings. That's yeah. a hell of a lot of them that aren't being reported on, that yeah. aren't being reported because people have been able to identify or just not bothered. Or, let's be honest, I have never reported for all the stuff I've seen officially reported anything.
1: I reported one, my first one, and that was it. After that, it, I mean, it was a lengthy process and there was just a lot to put in and a, a lot they was asking me about. And I just thought, well, I mean, that was the reason I made that little shortcut so I could record them faster in my own way, in my in But my you, also, you also
0: feel, don't you, like, what's the point? Yeah,
1: exactly. It doesn't go anywhere. I mean, it, it is a database, but what are they doing with it?
0: Yeah. But it's just, again, if everyone done it, maybe it would make a difference. But yeah, but uh, The Big Phone Home is obviously coming up pretty soon. And that's something I'll talk about very soon on future future shows as well. Um, where, where are we? Uh, Dr. Bean, any possible connection with religion? Kim Jelen, that if there are aliens walking among us, what do they look like? How can we tell? Do they have a normal lifespan or just come and go? Uh, how do they do it and why? Really good uh, idea. Rob Shepard, worldwide military encounters that could show up and down swings show up and down swings
1: like in in quantity
0: oh yeah up and down swing yep cool yep sorry just uh, my, my grammar reading that one out uh, UAP news at UAP news that oftentimes they travel faster than we have the ability to see these types of events are only caught only after later video review I think there's a really good view video that was released was it last year from was so it a drone the
1: Utah, is it the dr-
0: Colorado is that the one But it banks
1: it's... as it comes down the hill and then shoots past? Yeah. Yes. They, they were filming on a drone. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's on, yeah, the one. Yeah. The daytime is pre- pretty cool. Uh, it's going incredibly quick. And that is one of those. You would not have probably seen that with a naked eye. No, not at all. Or you would have thought it was a bug or something in your eyeline or whatever it may have been like, but it, it literally that's a really cool video. If people can check that one out. Um,
1: a beaver, Utah, uh, sorry, not
0: Colorado. Utah is good enough. You pulled that one off the top <laughs> of your head. Uh, SE, QLD, UAP, Nazca Mummies, that's gone quiet. Uh, Mac Panama, claims of Tom DeLonge. He was and probably still is in contact with those in the know. He has made some bold and fascinating statements on past interviews and social media posts. There's no one even interested in knowing more or discussing. The Tom DeLonge thing, I'm still, uh, and I brought this up with George Knapp, who, who obviously gave a good argument why, but it's disappointing Tom DeLonge's silence because he was quite happy to, to milk in the in the UFO Twitter glory with some of his statements and when TTSA was really kind of ticking along nicely. And then there have been major changes, not just little changes, major, major changes in that structure and direction of the company. He, In my opinion, and I've got to preface my opinion, he owes an interview to someone, not me, someone with a far bigger audience and bigger podcast bigger tv show you know whatever to discuss what happened he needs to sit down with a george knapp or a joe rogan and talk about the company and what happened and why lou and chris and steve and all all that have went their separate ways as quickly as they did um and just the general change in direction of the company so yeah for me that's that's something he he does owe the people
1: He's, he's going to be... There's um, a new album coming out. He, he They've almost finished that. And he's got Monsters of California coming out. So I'm expecting some media conversations around those things. Um, and hopefully people will ask him.
0: And you would think that Monsters of California, the audience for that, was largely going to be the the crowd that have followed TTSA as well, especially the that yeah. hardcore that's going to want to see it. There's a lot of people who could really be put off by what's happened to even see that. So he's got a little bit of social media kissing up to do, I think.
1: I'm I'm hoping that when we see that film it that it's kind of in a similar vein to the the fictional I'm doing the Bunny Ears Secret Machines books, Um, that it, it kind of plays with fact and fiction in that same way.
0: I think that's what a lot of us are expecting. I don't want to sound sanctimonious either when I say about Tom O's social media explanations, but Again, he, he was really happy to do lots of shouting and a lot of us got behind him and you do feel personally let down and I'm someone who didn't invest in them. I I bought a hoodie and some stickers and stuff and Dan, I sent you one in the t-shirts Like, and it's like, Thank you, you, you know, you were repping and you were, that ah, you're welcome. You were supporting the company though and I didn't have the money to throw at them that other people and other people put s- substantial amounts of money because it wasn't cheap to invest even at a basic level but yeah, that that's been disappointing for me, and I definitely feel there's there's been too much silence on his end. Um, Paint size farmer makes the point that uh, of the negative poltergeist activity that often accompanies UFO encounters, as Dan touched on there, the connection between the paranormal one UFOs. Why does a UFO encounter often lead to disturbing spirit encounters, such as moving knives on on the countertop? Dan, I suppose <laughs> on that one, um, I, I
1: think there's there's some effect with the brain's filter that that's what i would say on that as soon as as soon as you kind of see something that breaks the filter the filter doesn't doesn't go back to how it was
0: the the doors cracked open a little bit Uh, We'll fire through a few more of these folks because we wanted to keep this one short as a bit of a bonus for you. And for those who maybe don't have the time or the will to listen to one of the longer interviews and me rambling on, uh, we'll get this fired out and finished off. So um, Chris Fowler had posted a video in the chat as well of a UK sighting from 1994. Check that one out. You've got uh, Erin, who's uh, been really good keeping in touch as well on the podcast. Thanks, Erin. USOs, everything water-related. Oh, I'm going to pronounce this terribly, but Gelrich uh, Sagnius, what happens next after we have official confirmation and open contact? How will humanity integrate with interstellar community and ET civilizations? Someone commented, um, funnily, we give them COVID and tax them for visiting. Not, <laughs> probably not far off. Not far off. Um, dystopia drifter, cases of experiencers eliciting a response from UFOs, and he's put an article up there as well for people to check out. Adam Fenrich, every year dozens of unobstructed sightings of extraordinary craft from lucid witnesses who have no desire for the attention the report could bring. Uh, Their reports are either a fabrication or a historic event worthy of study, potentially. Stephen West, USO's in plain sight. Uh, Jeffrey Lander, an actual assessment of course of action. Obviously, the government knows something we don't. They act like nothing exists. Um, Render365, probably everything that came out of Bentwaters. That's that Again, that's one to go to go back into the archives for. Uh, full stop. Uh, why all cases, sightings seem to be unique. Commonalities and shape behaviour, but pretty much different every time. That's one I've discussed a couple of times on the podcast as well. You can deep dive back into those big question from Narca. I think folks that are doing real research, meeting science or academic research, publication standards, don't get a lot of attention, though they are carrying the ball. There are only a few that I know of. Authors under studies uh, DM me for names and papers. That's fair. Totally a- opinion as well, but there's, there are so many people studying this that I get why some might feel they're being left out or missed off, you know, but everyone has different audiences and different reach and like my podcast has an audience but not everyone that listens to Ryan Sprags comes over and listens to mine and not everyone that listens to mine listens to uh, Black Vault not everyone that listens to Black Vault listens to Jimmy Church and that goes the same for anyone doing research as well people are aware of of different things and as much as you know people might see me as I don't know why but potentially some of a bit of an expert or you know people send me some amazing stuff to look at and digest and comment on I'll, I'll give my thoughts and opinions, but I am far from an expert. I'm just really interested and in, like to ask questions. And that's where I hand over to people like Dan and Dave and, and all that to to pass comment far better than myself. What do you, what do you think on that, Dan? Um,
1: well, you, you say you defer to me and Dave, but I know Dave and I feel exactly the same as you just explained. You know, we, we all have our skills. We all have our different ways of communicating. Mine is mostly through visual stuff like art and things like that. Yours is through doing great interviews. Dave's is kind of probably a little bit of both because he does his magazine. You know, Andreas is focused on the activism and he's really great at digital marketing. Um, and then NARCAP is great at producing proper, thoroughly researched reports. And there, there are a few others like that as well. Um, you know, it takes it, it an army. And, and I think we have a great one
0: yeah and that's it and i'm i'm not a guy for sitting reading papers and um studies and dan knows that as well dan i'll tell you how often i message him and say what's this all about or give me the bullet points what's the gist of this and and dan's the guy that will go and do that not for me but he will read those for himself but i'm i'm not a details guy i like the high level and the discussion off the back of it but yeah there's definitely a place for a whole load of different avenues of attack on this subject uh, kevin brackley says abductions Rojan Seth, General McAusland, his relationship to UAP, DeLong and Elizondo. After that, we had a few on cattle mutilations, points of origin, BWP, everything that's happened since December 2017, crop circles, and a few more as well, folks. If I've not read out your name for something or what, there was a whole load on there. So it's a thread worth checking out and it's something that we'll potentially come back to for a roundtable as well. Uh, And I'll be putting out some more topics pretty soon as you have heard on this roundup and it's let us update you as well a little bit in audio form what's coming up on the podcast over the next few months at least it's going to take us up Uh, there's a lot of content coming out a lot of discussion to be had to keep us going at least until that uap task force report comes out and then the the ball game no doubt changes in some way shape or form dan any final comments before we head off oh dan have you recently put out and or made any digital art that might oh, be worth talking about?
1: I have. I made uh, uh, NFT art.
0: Okay, thanks Dan bye <laughs> no, I'm joking. Uh, Dan was explaining this to me before um, very well, but I still don't understand. but Dan had tweeted this out if you want to do a little bit of advertising for yourself Dan what you've what you've put online. Sure.
1: So people may have seen it around and in the news that there, there have been some art sales. Of digital art that have kind of been taken off and and gained a lot of attention, and it's a new form where essentially you can make an original piece of art in a digital form. So even if you make you know you copy and paste the file, it's still not the original one. So essentially, I've decided to jump into that space. I was super inspired by the guys at the uh, the debrief, Michael, and he he did an interview with the Clactic Method on Twitter, who who spoke about the the different possibilities of the medium. So I took a week to kind of learn and jump in and produce something that I thought was worth immortalizing on the blockchain. Uh, Something I found quite funny was that I had to, as part of it, because the files need to be available in, you know, 10, 15, 20 years time. Um, Even if I lose them, you have to upload them somewhere where they're made available. And that place is called the interplanetary file service. Which I thought was very fitting for a piece of Tic Tac art. So I combined the the Navy videos that we've all seen with my most popular bit of art, the Tic Tac medallion, and yeah, you can see that on my on my Twitter.
0: I still don't understand it, but I would encourage people to check it out. Um, Dan explained it to me as best he could, but the whole cryptocurrency stuff and everything just blows my mind a little bit. But it's, very it's weird, uh, isn't it? Yeah, and do you know what, if you're one who likes to get on uh, the bandwagon early, you're an early adopter, it's something well worth checking out. And do you know what, you're supporting Dan as well and his art and everything he does in the subject and the topic, which I would always encourage. So again, Dan, thanks for joining us. Thank you.
1: Thank you for having me and, uh, and, and hearing my waffle
0: anytime and you know what i'll play the usual outro um so i'd suggest you stick around if you've not heard it before but it is a the wonderfully talented minty hyperspace or you may know him as sean cahill with goblin problems with me rambling on a little bit as well folks of course, on Twitter, it's at UFO, UAP, A, M. And again, folks, as always, keep looking up. You never know what you might see.
1: It wasn't a tic-tac and not quite a saucer like a hubcap designed by
0: Jumpster, a little Baroque and quite steampunk, like Alice was playing bass for the Parliament of Fuck. The little fucker hovered right outside of my window, and when I shoved out the screen, he made it an issue. I don't think he expected me to see his ass, but I'd had some champagne and smoked a little